verses 11 to 18. Again, in this Bible, you'll find that on page 1,224. So this Bible, page 1,224, but we've got 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 18. I'm just going to read that uh, and then pray for Dan as he comes up. says this. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, sorry, Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. I said, please keep your um, Bibles open. Great. And bef- before I start, actually, something that... Um, I meant to mention earlier, and I'm sorry I didn't. Um, it was just an update on last week. So are you happy for me to share, Ocali, or would you like to? Sorry, so um, as we know, last week, um, unfortunately, a young lady on Carly uh, and Mark's street got knocked down by a hit-and-run accident, um, a 12-year-old girl, um, and was taken to hospital with serious injuries. Uh, there has been um, an update, if I can just find that for you. Um, sadly, well... Great, praise the Lord, she's still alive, but sadly she's broken nearly every bone in her body. Um, and the only organ that isn't affected is her heart. And she may be blind in one eye and deaf in one ear. So, um, it would be great if... Do a couple of people mind praying for her? What's her name again, sorry? Still not found the name, but... Um, let's pray for this um, this girl and her recovery. Pray that praise the Lord that he t- we pray that he would turn himself in. So praise the Lord he has done that. But we also pray for for him and what he's going through at the moment as well and the family. So maybe just maybe just a couple of people mind praying for this. That would be great.
Amen. Let's keep praying for her this week and the family and those that have been affected by that as well. Well, um, if it looks like a duck and it sounds like a duck, then it's probably a duck. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I trust you, Nikki, to do that. Um, and so what a person says and what a person does is a good indicator of who that person is. Saying goes there, but it's also the opposite is true. Just like if it doesn't look like a duck and it doesn't sound like a duck, then it's probably it probably actually is a goose. It's probably not a duck. We didn't practice that at home, I promise you. Um, and so this is what Peter is talking about about these false teachers and their disciples, those that have fallen astray and followed these false teachers, the heretics who've rejected the idea that Jesus is coming again to judge the world. Judgment Day, the day of the Lord. And they're taking people with them. As they're walking their own immoral lives, they're taking other people with them. Peter is saying, therefore, like, if you, basically, if you walk like a Christian and you talk like a Christian, then the chances are that you are a Christian. And these are his parting words to his dear friends. You know, in six to 12 months' time, he will be crucified upside down for his faith in Jesus. And his last letter is to his dear friends where he's saying, I want you to be sure of your salvation. I want you to be sure of your salvation. Don't want you to doubt it for a moment. And it's so important for us. These words are so important for us today because doubting our salvation can be difficult and a challenge for us as we live our life for Jesus. Well, he also wants us to live in the light that Jesus is returning. If the false teachers are saying that Jesus isn't returning, what's the point? Where's the hope? Why bother with this? Why bother trying to live a life that is worthy of Christ? Well, here's what Peter says, the final few points that he makes in this, um, in this letter. Firstly, as we await Jesus' return, we are to live godly lives, plain and simple. As we await Jesus' return, we are to um, live godly lives, firstly by responding with practical righteousness. Well, when we talk about righteousness, many of you will know this, it's the, the quality of being morally and morally right and justifiable. But the thing is, we know when we look around, we look in our own lives, we look in each other's lives, we look at the world, we know and the Bible teaches us that no one is morally right, not even one. Paul says that in Romans. They've all turned away. They have together become worthless, and there is no one who does good, not even one. We are not righteous, but because of Jesus, because of the great exchange where he has taken our sin and he has given us his righteousness, one of the most unfair, or well, the most unfair deal ever in the history of this world, he who never sinned has given us his righteousness that we, in the here and now, those that have bowed the knee to Jesus, are right in God's eyes. Isn't that amazing? What a truth. Let's, let's have a little bit of enthusiasm about that. Come on, let's, be, let's get with the Britishness. Let's, well, not everyone's British here, but let's, let's be enthusiastic. We have been made right. Amen, church. Thank you. But we live in a sinful world, and we are sinning saints. For those that don't love Jesus, we are sinning saints. I find that a really helpful way to remember it. We are sinning saints. 
and our response, then Peter says, if we've been made righteous by Jesus, it's a no-brainer how we should respond. And he gives these kind of, I don't know if you can see these, he gives some like if statements, if this has happened. So since all these things, the heaven and earth are to dissolve in this way, the, the world and the, the, the heavens and the earth are going to end. New heavens and the new earth will be given in the future when he returns on the day of the Lord. As you look forward to the day of God, speed it's coming. But in keeping, verse 13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and new earth where righteousness dwells. Look forward to this in verse 14. If these things are going to come, if Jesus is returning, we're going to have a new heaven and new earth. Then how should we live in the here and now while we wait? How do we live until Jesus returns in this time of the now and the not yet? Jesus has been once inaugurated his kingdom, and he will return again. And in, we're in that waiting period time now. How should we live? Well, we've been made righteous, but we don't feel like it because, of the, because of, um, our lives don't always look like it. But in God's eyes, we are righteous. Well, verse 11. You are to live, you ought to live holy and godly lives. Verse 14, you are to make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. He's urging us in this world that is temporary, we are to be diligent to make every effort to walk blamelessly and spotlessly with God. The way, we math, the way we act matters. The way we behave, what we say and what we do when we go to work tomorrow, or whatever you're doing, how we live our lives really does matter. But praise the Lord, this is not, you have to do this to be saved. This is Jesus has won it on the cross for you, and I get to walk blamelessly. I get in the Spirit's help to try and strive to make every effort to live a life that is worthy of a holy and blameless God. We're at peace with him now. Rather than experience the wrath on the day of judgment, his wrath on the day of judgment, we will experience once more. That, amen? Exciting. But Peter's reason here is not necessary to kind of say, well, look, if you don't do this, there's impending punishment for you. He's, he, that's not the whole gospel. What he's talking about is, look what's coming. He says three times in this passage, wait, wait for, wait for, wait for. What is he waiting for? The new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot wait for heaven. I cannot wait for it. A place where everything lines up with God's perfect righteousness, where truth and justice truly reign, where there's no more sin, no more pain, no more suffering. Those feelings of guilt and shame that we have daily for how we sin and do things that we shouldn't be doing, how we hurt one another. There'll be none of that. Where righteousness dwells, where perfection is, where Jesus Christ, him who is right himself, is going to be, and where we are going to spend eternity praising him. I get to go and be there. That's what our motivation should be for living a life now that is worthy, or a life seek, living a life seeking to obey our Lord and Savior. But I feel sick of my sin. Virgin puts it like this. There was not a day in which I did not commit such gross, such outrageous sins against God that often and often have I wished I'd never even been born. Strong words, isn't it? Truly broken for his sin and truly looking forward to the day where that would be no more. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, this is 
new to me. I've got this, I understand the feeling of guilt and the feeling of shame, but I don't know what to do with it. You've not known what to do with it, but you know there's something not quite right. Well, I tell you now, this is it. This is the answer. Your guilt and shame can be laid upon Jesus on the cross where he died for, those, for your guilt and your shame. All those times that you've hurt other people, those things that you've said and done, the things that you haven't said and should have said and should have done. But it begs the question, and, and this is a hard question for us to maybe um, answer now in two minutes. I'm not expecting to answer it, but I, a couple of questions that I'd love you to, to, to take home and think about and write down if you can. Is there any persistent sin in your life that doesn't represent your eternity with Christ? Is there anything that's going on in your life at the moment that is bringing you guilt and shame you need to give over to him, receive forgiveness for it, but ask for help in the strength of the Holy Spirit. What efforts could you make towards a godly life in that area? There are common sins that many people during their different times in their lives will struggle with. Lust, money, sex, power. What is their that is maybe rooted in your life, that you know the Lord wants to work in, in the here and now, knowing you're forgiven, but wanting you to live in the freedom that comes knowing that that sin has been paid for on the cross. Don't stay in that place. You are forgiven. But we get to make every effort to fight and battle that in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Maybe spend some time this week thinking about it, talking with someone about it. Because as we await for Jesus to return, we get to live godly lives in the here and now. But also we get to seize the day. We get to seize the day. Verses 15 and 16. Now the motto of my primary school, and probably how many of the people went to Dean? Anyone else? Brilliant. Well, um, the motto of my primary school, I know a few people downstairs went there as well, um, was carpe diem. The only Latin that I've ever learned was carpe diem. In assemblies, they talk about it and seize the day. It means to seize the day. It was up in the school hall. They talked about it in assemblies. It was around in classrooms at times. And it means don't miss the opportunities that the day brings you. Make your lives matter. Make them extraordinary. I don't know about you. I want my life to be extraordinary. Anyone else want their life to be extraordinary? Well, Peter tells us he wants us to seize the day. He wants our lives to be extraordinary. He wants us to maximize the influence for Jesus on this world before he returns. Each and every single one of you that knows and loves Jesus is to seize the day to maximize your influence for Jesus on this world before he returns. What a great purpose to be given. What an amazing thing that we have. We get to seize the day. Seize the day, guys. And he encourages it in two ways. Firstly, he says, seize the day by spreading the news of salvation. Verse 15 says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Why has Jesus not returned? False teachers were mocking um, Christians, saying, why has he not come back yet? If he was going to come back, he would have been back by now. 
the Lord is patient. He wants all those that are to be his to come to know him, whether that's in the next 24 hours or whether that's in the next 2,000 years, however long it may be. The Lord wants all those that are his to come to him. He is patient with us. He is patient with us. He tells us the delay in Christ's return is because he's patient. And remember, we looked at this last week for those of you that are here. The word patient here is the word macrothemio in the Greek. Macro meaning massive. Themio meaning anger. Nicky, you didn't quite get this last week. You said, what are you talking about last week? And he talks about this. But it means massive anger. Massive anger. God is patient because he's storing up his massive anger at sin. Everything that has been committed will be committed and is being committed. And he's withholding it, storing it up, restraining himself. All those that will come to him, then on judgment day, his wrath will be let out. There's until that day, guys, until that day, he uses each and every single one of us to be part of his plan to tell others about Jesus, about the forgiveness of sins that are offered only I'm excited that over the next five weeks after we finish through Peter, we're going to be looking at how do we seize the day as a church? How do we as Oikos Church in our communities here and the communities we all represent around Birmingham How do we seize the day and go and tell other people about Jesus? How do we most effectively do that together as a church in our small groups? And so come back for the next five weeks or listen to it online because we're going to be looking at what's our vision for the church, what the Lord has given us, and how we're going to play that out and how we're going to seek to do that as a body of believers here at Oikos. But we get to seize the day together. I want you to go home excited. I don't want you to go home thinking, oh, another thing we've got to do. It's a thing we get to do with the strength of the Holy Spirit, to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. Who could we tell about Jesus this week? Who could we tell about Jesus this week? Who do you know you're probably going to see this week that you could bring something of the gospel into their lives? A great message that we have, a great blessing that we have. Who are you going to see this week that you might be able to but secondly, I think also um, Peter talks about seize, uh, seize the day by being sure of your salvation. This letter that, Pete, that Peter's writing is to give security that people know that they are destined for an eternity with Jesus Christ. We've said already that some of his readers are being tempted by the false teachings that are saying Jesus isn't returning. Don't be deceived. Jesus isn't going to come back. Peter's like, no, no, don't, don't fall prey to that. Jesus is returning. And you are to confirm your relationship with Jesus in the here and now by making every effort to confirm your salvation. He says that at the start of his letter in in, in chapter 1. A life secure in the knowledge that you are saved, that you are his, gives confidence to us. It gives confidence to us. And I talked about Tim Keller a couple of weeks ago, who sadly passed away. Tim Keller who for 30 or 40 years was a very faithful servant to the Lord um, over in the States and has planted through his organ, through Redeemer Church, planted thousands of churches across the world and now are in London and planting hundreds of churches there. He was so confident of where he was going. When he got diagnosed with cancer for the second time, pan- pancreatic cancer, he said this, I'm thankful for all the people who prayed for me over the years. 
I'm thankful for family that, that loves me. I'm thankful for the time God has given me, but I'm ready to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus. Send me home. And then his final, final words to his wife as his wife kissed him on the, on the forehead, he said, there is no downside for me leaving, not even in the slightest. Isn't that amazing that he was so secure where he was going? A man that had added the fruits of the Spirit to his life over a 40-year ministry was confident because he knew where he was going. He never doubted his salvation at any point. And we maybe have all known people that have sadly um, left us here. And when there is a, someone that loves Jesus, and as they know their security of where they're going, there's something beautiful about that, isn't there? That although we mourn and we're sad, there's rejoicing because we know they're in a far better place. But how are we in the here and now, as we await that time, how are we living in a way that is adding the things that Peter talks about in chapter 1? If you look, turn back to chapter 1, um, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Peter's saying as we add those things, as we add those fruits to us, as we make every effort... shows that we are part of God's kingdom. Proof to ourselves, we are changing, and the Spirit is at work in us. And it gives us confidence where we're going. Seize the day. Seize the day. Tell other people about Jesus. Seize the day and grow and add the fruits of the Spirit to your life. It gives you confidence of your salvation. And then finally... As we await Jesus' return, we are not to cave in. We are not to cave in. Look at verse 17 with me. It's so good. Therefore, something he's basically going to sum up everything he said in his letter. Dear friends, loving language again. And then he gives two imperatives. Firstly, he says, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard. Be on your guard that, so that you may not be carried by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Peter doesn't want anyone to fall away. The word fall here is translated to the word apostasy, those that walk away from the faith. The word translated carried away is this, this is how it actually happens, through the false teachers, their lawlessness. They were without custom, without law, morally corrupt, taking other people with them, adopting, ending up adopting the false teachers' moral lifestyle. Peter's saying, be zealous for Jesus. Work on your faith. Through the hard times, through the challenges, through the doubts. He's saying, you're responsible. Christians, we are responsible for our own walk and our own um, Christian faith. I remember I I was thinking back about the youth group I I grew up in just down the road. Some 30 or 40 of us I'm in this youth group, 11 to 18, and um, 20 odd, 25, 30 years ago now, and and as I look back about the, about the youth group, I wasn't, I didn't come to faith until I left left university. But but out of the 30 or 40 people that were there, some that looked like they were on fire for Christ, 
I look now at their lives, and some of them are still friends, that they have walked away from their faith. I praise the Lord, there's 10, that are, praise the Lord, 10 of them are working in full-time ministry of some sort, but, but, but many have walked away. And as I looked, I tried to work out a common theme, a common thread, of those that I knew and know well, what was it that was part of that walking away? And I can say that I know that it was either a neglecting to be part of a church body, part of it, or actually joining a very liberal church and then fell away not long after that. See, Peter doesn't want us just to fall over the finish line like me and Borny were yesterday, to be honest, um, on the park run. He wants us to open our strider and to, be grow, and to be getting faster as we cross the line. I don't know about you, I want to finish the line. I want to sprint across the finish line, not fall over it when I get to heaven. I want to be at my best, be at my peak, loving Jesus. Um, no, I'll, that's what I want for us, the church. Not just strolling over the line. Salvation secure, and we just walk over the line. Let's, let's sprint. Let's speed up. Let's see the fruits of the Spirit grow in our lives, that we're loving Jesus more by the end of our life than we are in right now. That's my prayer for us as a church, my prayer for me and my family. But the opposite of walking away is, Peter says, to maintain our own stable position. We are responsible for how we run this race. He says you've been forewarned. By the Old Testament and the New Testament scriptures, we are without excuse. I don't know about you, there's sometimes, there's some teachings in the Bible that I find hard to hear. It would be easier to put my head in the sand and think, oh, I don't want, to, don't want to look into that. But the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures are God's word breathed out for us. They are true, every single word of them. I remember on occasions that I have buried my head in the sand before, but, but more recently, there's just, go and speak to people. I go and speak to to Jez, Andy, to Kenny, when I'm struggling with thoughts of things, what do I, what do I, underst- what don't I understand about this? Why is this difficult to believe? What does the Bible say about this? How can you, and, and it's been really helpful, those conversations when you work them through with other people. So I just want to ask you, is there, um, is there a particular teaching that you are struggling to understand? So back here in 2 Peter, it was that Jesus is returning. He says he's going to return, but he hasn't returned. What does that mean? And they were doubting and struggling. But is there a particular teaching that you're struggling to understand at the moment? And I encourage you not to bury your head in the sand. But who could you approach? What could you read this week to help you? To help you stand firm, stand strong, in a stable position. So we're to be on our guard. Be on our guard. But, but I don't know if any of you have ever done any boxing, but if you try and hold this up for eight rounds, I haven't done eight rounds, I've never lasted eight rounds, but when I've done a few punch bags things, holding your guard up to block being punched is actually quite hard work after a while, the weight of your arms doing it. And so the negative of saying no to false teaching, of trying to hold yourself up, there's got to be a positive, and Peter puts it here in verse 18. He says this, some of my favorite words in Scripture. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. What great words to finish with. Peter's last words are these.
grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're about to sing the song from Seeds Family Worship. Great tune to this, um, this verse. But we are to grow in Christ. We are to grow in Christ. That's what we're called to do, to grow in Christ. Well, how do we do that? Well, Peter tells us to grow in grace. That's his first call, grow in grace. Well, what is grace? You've probably heard this talked about many times. Grace is the free gift that we receive. But an acronym to help remind us is God's redemption at Christ's expense. A gift we don't deserve. He has given us the gift of his righteousness. We've exchanged our sin and given it to him. That's his grace that he's given to us. A free gift that we don't deserve. And if we're to grow in grace, we've got to accept it daily. And I don't know about you, but I find it hard to accept. I'm a bit like the child in this video. Hopefully. You can open your eyes now. So, what do you think? How much do I owe you? How much do I owe you? Receiving grace, receiving the gift of redemption at Christ's expense. I don't know about you, sometimes I can think, how much, how much do I owe you for this? Can I at least pay you something back? Can I give you something? Even just a little bit. Let me give you something to make me feel better, to make me feel justified in my own strength. Peter's like, no, we've got to be, we've got to grow in grace. We've got to grow in giving it. We've got to grow in receiving it and knowing it that it's ours. Free gift. Is there a day that you've accepted the grace of God into your life? Maybe you're sitting here and you've sat here for many weeks and there's never been a day that you bow the knee to Jesus and said, Yes, I need this. I need the gift of grace. Maybe you're like me. Sometimes there's days where I find it hard to accept the grace of God, feeling that I owe and I need to pay back in some way. But grace and accepting it and knowing it is the foundation of how we grow, Peter's saying. God's resources apply to the Christian experience. We've got to apply it each and every single day to our lives. We can't forget it. We can't neglect it. Yes, we make every effort, knowing that we're still in our own strength fail, Grow in accepting the resource of grace. Yes, I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. I am forgiven for this. I do not need to stay in this place. Just to finish with, because time, I want to finish here. He says, what stops us from accepting his grace? What Peter's saying here in this verse, knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What, what stops us? Growing in grace is a lack of our knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is. The problem with the false teachers, they didn't have a, a true grasp of who Jesus is. We have to have a grasp of who Jesus is. We have to grow in our knowledge of him. How do we do that? It comes back to application for every single sermon. We get to read the word. We get to meditate on his scripture. We get to read about who he is. 
We get to not just know him like I know the King of England. I know he's King Charles. I've never met him, but I know, I know of him. But I get, to, I get to know Jesus. I don't just have to think, oh, I've heard of Jesus. He's this good guy. I get to know exactly who he is as my brother and as my friend. I get to be in an intimate relationship with him. The only way we're going to receive grace and accept grace each and every single day is growing in our knowledge of, the G- of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who wants to offer us his grace each and every single day. But if we neglect it, we ignore it. We will not be grace-filled people. We won't offer it to other people. We won't receive it ourselves. But can I encourage you? Can I encourage us? Let's be, let's be people that make every effort to live a godly life in the, in, with the strength of the Holy Spirit in us. Let us seize the day to tell other people about Jesus and let's add the fruits of the Spirit to us to secure, to know, and just in that day-to-day, to know that we are secure in our salvation. And let's not cave in. Let's not cave into the pressures of false teaching or anything else that comes our way, but let's accept this free gift of grace that we've been given each and every single day. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we want to praise you and thank you. We thank you for this gift of grace, redemption of us at Christ's expense. Thank you that you have made a way for us. Thank you that we get to live a life um, that seeks to be adding fruits of the Spirit to our faith give us that security of our salvation. Thank you that that when we go to be with you in heaven, Lord, we do not have to be afraid at all of death. It is just the start. Thank you that this life is momentary and that in comparison to eternity, it's just fleeting. And yet, it matters how we live now. Lord, I pray for the strength for us to battle and fight those um, sins that are just maybe just leading us to guilt and to shame that are maybe putting us away from accepting the grace that you offer us each and every single day. I pray that we would be um, people that come and boldly approach your throne of grace, that we would not feel um, that we are distant from you. Lord, I pray for anyone here that hasn't bowed their knee to you, that, that you would reveal yourself to them. I pray that they would not go from here carrying the burden of their guilt and shame. They would be, um, want to give it over to you once and for all. Father God, I pray that as we go out from this place, that we would um, be people that want to tell other people about this gift of grace. I pray you would spur us on together as a church. We'll be emboldened by your spirit to go and seek the lost prefer them, to love them, to want to share something with you. With them in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think let's stand together and let's sing our final song.